When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to yet another week of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. It's been another week in Syracuse sports. I am here as always, Steve Haller. With me as always, Andy Pregler and Christian Guzman. What's going on, guys? A shout out to premier Syracuse athlete Jacob DeGrom, who is always forever now a Syracuse athlete. Add him to the list. Wherever uh, We have now claimed him over the Stetson Hatters. He's no <laughs> longer a Hatter. He is an Orange. Uh, this is now canon and law by rules of the Ottoman Empire. Uh, and if you would like, actually, I don't think Homefield has any Stetson apparel. Uh, let me, I should actually double check on that before I say these things. But uh, today's episode, as all episodes are, or most episodes are, uh, presented by Homefield Apparel, your one-stop shop for vintage collegiate apparel that looks awesome and is super comfortable. Uh, we are all big fans of them. They have a Syracuse collection. They also have pretty much every other school under the sun. Except so for them. They do not have they Stetson. They do not have Stetson. <laughs> uh, get on it, Connor. I want a hat t-shirt. I want a hat. T- I want a t-shirt of a hat with a t-shirt on the hat. I don't know where I was going with that. They have every, pretty much every school except Stetson. And if you find a t-shirt or a hoodie or a pair of joggers that you really like from their site... Use promo code NUNES, N-U-N-E-S, off of your first, on your first order to get 10% off. Uh, again, promo code NUNES, N-U-N-E-S, for 10% off your first order at Homefield Apparel. Thank you, gents, for sponsoring them, as Homefield is attempting to get all the schools that could potentially be in the, AC, or in the Big Ten and the S- new-look SEC. I know last week we talked a lot about realignment. That's pretty much all we talked about on the podcast last week because the realignment news was hot off the presses. However, in the time since then, Kevin Wall doing Kevin Wall things and honoring the tradition of 
being the guy in charge of the site and saying things that make most of the readers upset, wrote a lot about realignment this week. You could say he was honoring his contract. He honored his contract. He got the page views. Uh, the two things that he talked about were uh, the overall pecking order of where Syracuse sits when it comes at a potential uh, super conference and where they probably sit in either the SEC or the Big Ten. And I think the ultimate answer there is that a lot of people have a lot of differing opinions on what, whether or not Syracuse is an attractive school or not and how important women's lacrosse and academics are to the Big Ten in actuality. Um, so, yeah, Christian, I'm just going to throw this to you at first. Uh, if you were making a 20-team Big Ten or SEC, is Syracuse a top, four, is Syracuse a top 40 program uh, to get an invite into any of those mega conferences? No, next question. <laughs> Steve, is Syracuse a top 40 uh, athletic program getting an invite into the Big Ten or the SEC. I'm only here so I don't get fined. <sighs> I That's think... the right answer. That's the right answer. <laughs> that is the correct answer. And Chris, I think you can elaborate on this a bit. Like, oh yeah, big... I can. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was gonna... <laughs> there, there are thoughts to be had here. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, well, I want to start with Christian because the lacrosse angle came up a lot, and I did not wade into those waters because I do not know how to swim in those waters very well. I am in the kiddie pool of those waters. I am not into the big internet ocean that is Twitter when people are mad. I, I would get swallowed up and drowned. We, I don't want that. Christian is a little bit more of an experienced swimmer in lacrosse waters. Uh, I think I, I kind of want you to explain this better, but my understanding is that the Big Ten has kind of turned lacrosse into their new sport to focus on. But it's not as if lacrosse is a premier Big Ten sport yet. Am I wrong on that regard? Because it's mainly just Maryland and everybody else. Um, the unfortunate thing is that it could be a good sport, uh, but Rutgers isn't consistent enough to know if they are going to be a top, top program in lacrosse. Johns Hopkins has fallen off a cliff, and Johns Hopkins is only good for lacrosse in the Big Ten and nowhere else. And the other programs, Ohio State had a two-year good period and then fell off a cliff as well. So there isn't the sustained success like in the ACC, where the other top programs are, where unlike last year, which was a down year for the ACC, which was the first down year in like the last decade. So the Big Ten hasn't seen that yet. And if all the conference realignment talk, uh, if lacrosse is going to be a part of it, it's not at the forefront yet. So I, I guess the question that I, I want to ask then is, is the Big Ten still the quote-unquote second-best lacrosse conference? Um, obviously, the ACC is the number one conference when it comes to lacrosse, and it's not particularly close. Um, but is the Big Ten number two by default, or are they number two by actual quality? No, it's if not even. It's not even close. If you look at the if you look at the NCAA tournament this year, the number two by far and probably the number one right now is the Ivy League, which has always been the case. Mm -hmm. It's always been the ACC and the Ivy League at the top. And remember, unless more programs get added to NCAA lacrosse, there's only I think it's seventy plus programs right now in NCAA Division One men's lacrosse. Until more programs get added. And if the ACC gets, uh, gets it back together, which I'm pretty confident that it will, then it's going to be the ACC and the Ivies at the top. 
and it's going to be very, very hard to topple them. Because right, and especially like right now, since there's so much parity in lacrosse, with so much good talent now scattered across the country, like the only like true central schools that have right now built up good uh, lacrosse talent have been the Ivies. In the big, yeah. like I said, the Big Ten has Maryland, and that's pretty much it. Jury's still out on Rutgers. And the ACC is always going to be the ACC. So the jury's still out on whether last year was a fluke or a worrying trend. I would like to think it's a fluke. So in the coming years, it's the ACC and the Ivies for, for the top of the cross chain. I mean, th- that tracks. Uh, I actually was reading something today about how lacrosse, ESPN has kind of gone all in on lacrosse coverage um, not yeah. just at the collegiate level, but at the professional level. And part of that is that they know they have the televised collegiate rights for lacrosse. So there's an easy transition with their audience to say, like, you're familiar with these names, you know these names, a lot in the same way that they are leveraging their college football coverage for the NFL draft uh, when, when that comes along. Like, they've found a lot of success doing these things. And it, again, would should be noted that the ESPN has the ACC and the Ivy League uh, television contracts for the sports that uh, are deemed revenue sports. So men's football, men's basketball, and uh, lacrosse on both sides, but mostly men's lacrosse. So I I think, and the other part of the reason I bring this up is that um, if you haven't listened to it, ESPN Daily from Friday is Pablo Torre talking with Spencer Hall, formerly of uh, every day should be Saturday of our SBNet, SBN brethren overlord. Uh, he's probably one of the funniest college football people out there, but as he kind of so eloquently put out, this conference, the Big Ten's move screams somebody at Fox, uh, which has a long his- history as a network of being obsessed with the LA market, basically circled Los Angeles and said, get me two programs in this market. And the Big Ten went, okay. There's give us give us the two biggest names there, and that's USC and UCLA. And so, Steve, kind of flipping this on its head, like I think that there's been a long-held belief that Rutgers gives the Big Ten the New York City media market, and LOL, like we know that's not necessarily the case. But uh, no. when you talk about no, NBC has the the uh, New York City media market with Notre Dame. There we go. That's there actually, we go. It's actually like the correct answer. Yeah. <laughs> because, it's, because just from personal bias, uh, NBC is the top station just from personal bias in the New York media market. So more people have their eyes on NBC. Yeah. Like the, and you have a national brand with a, you know, like you said, the, the largest media market in New York with the national brand on it. Like they're, of course, going to be the Rutgers isn't chipping into that Syracuse isn't chipping into that like there's no there's no real name school that isn't tied up somewhere that's going to chip into that like there's nothing that gives you that market so uh, it's I guess circling back to your um I was going to say presupposition but uh your prior comment regarding Kevin's uh, article of uh you know, what do you do to get to those 40? And is Syracuse sniffing anywhere near that? And even even strictly based on what we just said, I, I don't think Syracuse is. I don't think they're anywhere in the equation of if it goes to a 40-team Uber conference with two conferences and two divisions per. 
this this ties in very well to uh, the recent Sports Illustrated article that Kevin posted. I'm not sure in our Slack chat. I'm not sure if you guys saw that from the Power Five desirability mm, rankings yep, yep. of all the Power Five schools. Actually, and, when I've been looking at my other screen, that's been me trying to find that. <laughs> I was like, I can't remember well, where we got yeah. it from. So, so let me help you there. 69, uh, 69 nice. uh, Power Five teams, very nice, um, ranked in the Power Five and desirability, just based on some of the other teams that have come in, especially to the Big 12. So the teams like Houston are on there in US, and UCF and BYU because they are now going to be in the Big 12. Um, so 69 teams. I'm not sure if you guys remember or have seen this article about where Syracuse is. I know. I believe that. Where are, are you are thinking, they number Andy? 69? No. Are they number 69? They are not number 69. Congratulations. We are not the 69th best team out of 69 teams in the terms of desirability. I feel like we're not good, though. You, you would be correct because it is 60. Oh, that is so much worse. So they ranked it in five categories. Football okay. rank, academics, all sports, attendance, and viewership. And just to show you how much the New York media market doesn't matter to college football fans, Rutgers is 65. Yeah, yeah. that sounds right. That tracks with everything we've just said. And that's just their overall rank. Their viewership rank is tied for 67th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not great. And I think one of the other things that I wanted to call out really quickly, I wanted to double check this. People then started doing the, uh, but academics, but academics thing, um, which fair. I do think that the Big Ten, if they like to sit on their high horse and talk about academics, UCLA is a very highly rated university. USC is also a very highly rated university. Uh, according to the U.S. News and World Report rankings, which are the apparently end-all, be-all for college rankings, uh, both of those schools sit above Syracuse, who is actually 59th in the overall rankings. So we're not even in the top 40 of academic rankings. And if we're looking at other ACC schools, if you're talking about academics, other schools with uh, who are not associated with the Big Ten or the SEC, who are higher than Syracuse and play Division One football, include Stanford, Duke, um, Northwestern, who is already actually in that. Sorry, they're already in there. Uh, same with Vanderbilt, who's already in a conference. Rice is number 17. Notre Dame is number 19. Cal is number 20. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so, oh, Virginia is number 25. Sorry, forgot about them as well. So, you know, we're, we're uh, UNC's twenty eight. Wake Forest is tied with them for twenty eight. So we're we're ta- Boston College is thirty six. There's a lot of other schools that, if you're going to scream academics about, have a much higher academic ranking while delivering comparable on the field results. So yeah, um, sixty sounds about right. And that's really unfortunate. Um, And so I think a natural consequence of this conversation has been, well, if Syracuse isn't desirable for the SEC or the Big Ten, what happens if they go the way of UConn? And we'll talk about UConn a little bit more uh, in our, you know, we talked about, yep, exactly. Uh, We talked about, uh, if you, for those who are listening to this, Steve just uh, made the vomiting. Yeah. uh, Yep, exactly. So, uh, ooh, you... oh, I just I just came across an interesting tidbit here. 
Oh, what's the tidbit? So we're talking about UCLA being this, yes. you know, uh, a much happier football uh, situation than Syracuse. Um, since the Chip Kelly era began at UCLA, what do you think their record is? Oh, well, okay. So let me, ref- okay. So Chip Kelly had like a decent year last year, right? Like they weren't an absolute garbage fire. Um, uh, I don't think that they've hit 25 wins yet. I He's think that they're sitting at like 23 wins. 18 and 25 as a head coach since 2018. Oh, good, good. Which is wow. worse than Dino Babers at 21 or 27. <laughs> We're better than UCLA. We're more desirable than UCLA. But it's like, you think about that, and I get the market share and all that, but they're playing in the Pac-12, so a less, on on paper, a less talented conference than what we're seeing every year for a schedule, and doing worse, and yet are the first of the new invites. So, for anyone who thinks that it's strictly, like, performance on field as well, it ain't. It's a total package thing. That's why that desirability ranking from Sports Illustrated, I think it was very, very good because, like, U- USC games are top nine and USC mm-hmm. ain't good. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that it's one of those things that, like, Steve, you're 100% right. This is a situation where, like, we can't, we're, we're, talk, we're trying to talk about this in rational terms when this is definitively an irrational process. So by that mark, is Syracuse likely to be saved? Probably not, but like that doesn't mean that they won't be because no, but... this whole process this comes down to like who does John Wildhack become friends with or find the body buried that therefore right. allows him entry into one of the super conferences. But look at that look at that desirability ranking and go up above Syracuse to the other 59 schools in front of them and tell me who you would put behind them. Like, can you find 19 schools that you would put behind Syracuse (laughs) on that list? And you can't. Like, there's, if you look at it without orange colored glasses, which I am want to add the orange colored glasses often based on fandom, if you look at it objectively, there's not 19 schools that you would, you know, dump behind the orange to grab a spot. So it's going to have to be something like, you know, like you said, Wild Hack finding uh, an avenue to, to save himself. Or to save, well, I guess that that was a bit of a Freudian shot there, but <laughs> to save to save Syracuse athletics and in doing so save Wildhack's tenure. Yeah, I think that it's really clear that that is something that will take place. Um, that the uh, the the future of Syracuse will one thousand uh, percent be tied to John Wildhack's job security uh, post this entire era. So we'll we'll see what happens in in that regard. I think it's still way too early to tell. Um, essentially, the athletic did a great job of breaking down the ACC's grant of rights deal, and essentially, it costs schools so much to buy out of those rights and into a new conference. With how long the contract is spanned out to, I mean, the SEC and the Big Ten are drawing in huge sums of money. However, the amount of money that you need to buy out of the ACC is still several years worth of revenue from uh, AC, from SEC and Big Ten payouts that have yet to actually take place. They're all projected payouts for the next few years with the new TV deals. So I don't think you're going to see the ACC break apart yet uh, until, one, 
the Big Ten and the SEC guarantee that even with more schools, um, the amount of money per school continues to increase at an astronomical rate. And two, we get closer to the end of those grant of rights and they don't get extended by the conference. Um, so the, the ACC is not screwed yet. Uh, they still are considered, you know, Clemson goes undefeated or Florida State goes undefeated. They still get a top four spot in the college football playoff, which is something to be said because there are other conferences that can't do that and aren't guaranteed that. So for now, Syracuse is safe um, in, the, in terms of the ACC being safe. Now, that being said, um, some people like UConn fans uh, were really upset when Syracuse said that they were not allowed to uh, and well, Syracuse and Boston College blocked them from entering the ACC. And the end result is that UConn is now a basketball member of the Big East and a football independent. And I do think that for some Syracuse fans, that is literally the good old days. That was when Syracuse was good at football and basketball was running running ship in the Big East. And that option on paper sounds desirable. Steve, would you like to uh, talk about why, one, this isn't happening, or why that's a terrible idea in 2022? <laughs> well, there are seven independents in Division One. One of them is Army. Mm-hmm. Go figure. Like they, they can do it because they're Army. You have Notre Dame, who is Notre Dame. Do whatever they want who also does have a deal with the ACC. So it's not a, even a true independent status. UConn... An army, an army has a deal with the Patriot League. Right, exactly. Um, UConn does whatever UConn does. I don't really care to yeah. care. Yeah. Um, <laughs> BYU, doing BYU things. And they're no longer going to be independent because they're joining the Big 12. Right. Uh, Liberty... We'll just not touch on them. Um, New Mexico State and UMass. Is there anything in that list of seven teams, most of which, most of the good ones having ties to a conference that screams Syracuse should go independent? Is there anything in that that says it's going to be a good time for us to go independent? Like, <laughs> as, as all these conferences are solidifying and filling up schedules and taking all this time off the schedule where the hell are you gonna get independent (laughs) scheduling from we're gonna end up we can't even schedule out of an out of a conference like that gives us a predefined list of teams to play against and we we keep screwing up the four ones we have to do ourselves what makes you think we're gonna do 12 on our own and that's the biggest problem is that if syracuse for some weird reason was going to go independent how would you schedule 12 games yeah because Dude. because from from our perspective, from just us three here and from everyone else on the site, they don't do a good job at scheduling four. So <laughs> imagine Casillo? them trying to schedule. <laughs> could you imagine? Oh god. Could you could you imagine? That would just be the, the final coup de gras. <laughs> that would be that would be the wildest timeline. Just call up, call up independent, independent consultant John Casillo. Hey, we need some, uh, <laughs> we we need some scheduling stuff. How much money would Casillo take to be the Syracuse scheduler? Probably less than they're paying whoever's doing it. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I, I. It's just, 
I don't I don't see the math of how this works out for the athletic department overall. Like you get I think right now we are getting a twenty million dollar check if like that's the floor, a twenty million dollar check from the ACC every year for basketball and football. I don't see how you can exceed that value going independent with the Big East because the Big East basketball payouts are not nearly there. And $20 million in body games means playing basically the entire SEC on a 12-game schedule. It's, it's just not going to happen. Right. And even though Syracuse has struggled a bit um, in the ACC, we have proven that with the current head coach, if the ACC has a down year, Syracuse can get double-digit wins and a uh, decent bowl game that fans will sell out. Uh, so there's there's a path in the ACC, and you get a guaranteed paycheck. And as much as I love Omaha, who wants to go to Creighton for a conference game in basketball? I I think we were talking about this last week in, in conference realignment. At some point in time, these, these the ridiculousness cost that is flying your team literally around the country two times a week is going to eat into these larger uh, paydays that you get. So yeah, well, it's, uh, it's no, the same. No, thank you. The same argument you have, uh, and you know, uh, we made it twenty three minutes because this is actually a soccer pod. Um, it's the same argument you have for pro rel in American soccer, it, and yeah. even you know, I I always equate it to baseball and minor league baseball, where if you had pro rel in MLB and minor league baseball, you know, Syracuse goes up, that means at least five times a year they're traveling to san diego like can that market sustain that no and can that college football market sustain that also no like if we have to travel to salt lake to play brigham young you know what in every sport because that's that's the other thing people don't think about when they're thinking about travel they're like oh yeah it's one time for a football game but if you join a conference it's, you know, two times a year for a soccer game for men's and women's. And, you know, every other sport under the sun has to travel to Salt Lake. And that drastically changes uh, your outlook on travel. <laughs> yep. And it's, it's just one of those things that, like, when, again, the reason why these conferences formed regionally was right. because it made the most economic sense. Um and it it continues to be something where even though I don't think the ACC is necessarily handling this well, it benefits Syracuse on all fronts because of their lack of desirability, because of their lack of consistency in, in success on both men's and men's basketball and football in the last uh, decade. We're in a position where this is what where we are, and being in the ACC is is the best option. And yes, I know I'm going to get hell for saying that the last decade of men's basketball hasn't been consistent success i stand by it topic for another day uh but when we talk about the football program and that continued level of success one of those one of the ways you do that is with coaching consistency and while dino babers has been at the helm for the entirety of the run the coordinators have been shuffling in and out a lot recently uh but one name who has stayed consistent consistent sorry is Tony White. Uh, he's entering into year three as defensive coordinator of the Syracuse Orange. Uh, year one was the, I do this in the, uh, and it's very much, it very much kind of feels like the MCU. 
uh, phase one is his year one where we're just getting to know him. Uh, there's lots of hits and misses. We're getting a sense of style, but he's figuring out what works. Phase two is weird and experimental. Uh, things are definitely going a little bit more pedal to the metal. And I feel like you're, if year three tracks with the MCU, it is the we are golden god. There is absolutely nothing that we can go that can go wrong here uh, phase, which would be great for Syracuse's defense. I would love Tony White to do that. Um, but it seems like ESPN is also tracking for that as Tony White was named one of the top 45 coaches uh, to, I believe it's 45 under 45, or is it just top 45 coaches to watch? It's uh, top 45 minority coaches to watch, which is equally as important as, especially in this day and age with uh, programs looking to add diversity to their coaching staffs and just all programs in general. Tony White who is half black and half Korean, is a very, very enticing minority option uh, just based on the resume he's built at Syracuse. Yeah, he's done okay I, for us, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, mm, so just okay. Well, he's going to have well, his hands full this year, which no, is... No, it's Steve, Steve, Steve. It's just okay. It's just okay. Just okay. Okay. <laughs> but he, uh, you know, being named to that list, is that like getting the the SI cover curse right now? Because he's kind of looking at an uphill battle with what's going on in that defensive front. I mean, it is one of these situations where you look at the lit. I, what I think it means more than anything is that, and this is something that we have dealt with a lot with Syracuse football, it means that people outside of Syracuse are paying attention to Syracuse football. And yes, Steve, to your point, this does kind of feel like a curse because it means that the first time that people pay attention to him, he's going to also be facing his toughest challenges. And that feels relatively unfair, but we've talked about it a lot. Like we just talked about in realignment, like why Syracuse is not desirable. And that it reflects a, certain brand awareness with the program where most people who are covering college football these days did not grow up watching Syracuse with McNabb and Freeney uh, in the end of their glory years. They grew up in the Gerg era. They grew up in the Pascaloni era. They grew up with Syracuse being the punchline. And so on that note, uh, we uh, also on this list, I don't know if we called it out, Zach Arnett. <laughs> yep, <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> um, Remember anyway. that timeline? Vaguely. The, the, the multi- I remember putting the, way too much effort into scouting Zach Arnett. <laughs> <laughs> the, the variant timeline that has Syracuse defensive coordinator Zach Arnett is one I'm interested in just because it is something uh, it is something to behold that uh, so as the offseason continues the offseason um, it'll be very interesting to have a alternate timelines uh, article yeah I mean Ooh. Arnett seems to have done really well in the same mold and so and I listen I don't think it would necessarily be the same because I do think that what Tony White has done and what I really enjoy about this defense it's kind of all or nothing. It's bend and don't break. It's go for some picks and also throw some freaks into some interesting positions. Um, so side, side note, Mike Hart was also named to this yes. list as well. So, cues. Bring him <laughs> home. Bring him. Oh. Well. There's an alternate timeline where Mike Hart is named the offensive coordinator for Cuse. Mm-hmm. I, 
am. Man. <laughs> Imagine if we had Mike Hart and uh, Tony White as the two coordinators. I mean, this year, I'm, I don't want to say that I'm already, you know, shipping uh, an A and, B and back out the door, but I am kind of wondering what happens if Hart gets in the door just a little bit earlier. Just like a little earlier. And I mean, that, the year. timeline would have been, when did he head back to Michigan? Uh, uh, Google machine. Uh, yeah, that's what, that's what I'm doing right now. Because uh, if that lined up with the move for Gilbert, because it wasn't that long ago. 16, no, so it was. When okay, Dino so was it was, hired. yeah. So it was okay. when Dino was hired. Um, but no, Michigan? No, it was twenty. No, he was he was the yeah. he was the running back backs yes. coach. Backs coach Wick Dino. Yep. And so his first was, year. Uh, and then he went to Indiana. 20, it was twenty one. So that was hmm. second year Gilbert. So he that's was, when, oh he that's got, when Dino that's, that's when Dino still had that's when Dino still had faith. Right. So Gilbert got the OC job here, here in the 20. year that the year that Indiana extended him as an AHC. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which. Okay, so timeline timelines could have changed if they didn't give him that associate head coach tag. Yes. Come home. I mean, we're you know what? Dino Babers in the multiverse of madness. We, we need <laughs> we need we need an article series, Pregler. <laughs> ah. Listen, I have one week before I head off to Greece for two weeks and don't think about anything related to any of these things, except for soccer, because soccer is everything. Which also, time out. When did the Premier League season start, like, in two weeks? Uh, I just was informed of this to... Uh, it's, like, I was, it's always beginning I was just, of August. I was just informed of this right now. Why did this get informed right now? I mean, the first, first week in August... No signings for it! Yeah, first week in August is always the, uh, whatever the... I was always under the assumption it was mid-August. Who know who neglected to tell me this? What the hell? Not Champions Cup or uh, whatever the shield, the Supporter uh, Shield or yes. um, no, that's MLS. Uh, Charity uh, Shield. There we go. Yeah, yeah, FA, there we go. FA, no, Community Shield. FA Community. Shield. Oh yeah, they call it Community Shield now. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yes. It used to be the Charity Shield. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. August fifth is the for uh, Arsenal Crystal Palace kick off the season. That's the, that's how you kick off the season. With Arsenal <laughs> Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace. Because yeah. you, you want guys to get really, really fired up for a Premier League season. Yeah. Well, I can tell you the rest of the match week. Uh, match week one just is a whole lot of booty. Uh, you got Fulham, Liverpool, uh, Villa, Bournemouth, no. Tottenham, Southampton, Newcastle, Nottingham Forest, Everton, Chelsea, uh, Man U, Brighton, City, West Ham oh, is God, probably the best game. Not Brighton. City against the Fighting Casillas. Yeah, honestly, the best game of the week is probably Leeds versus Wolves. Like Leeds, Leeds America. No, it's going to be Man U, Brighton because we somehow always lose to Brighton. Why? 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 That would actually be kind of that would make me happy. Um, it would not. No. It would no. I did not say it would make you happy. I said it would make me happy. <laughs> and those are two usually diametrically opposed things when it comes to soccer. Right, that, that is true. that is very true. Anyways, yes, yeah, soccer starts in two weeks, so I will be doing soccer reading uh, while abroad and not thinking about Syracuse playing UConn or uh, you know Virginia, which is also coming up quicker than I want to think about. Anyways, this is a Harry, this is a football podcast. <laughs> just don't pull a Harry Maguire increase. No, 
Uh, I will try to see Ronnie, Ronnie, I don't know if DJ Ronnie Silicky, Silicky, Cycly. Yeah, Jesus I don't know if DJ. Christ, you youngins. <laughs> oh, God. How that, was I... a, that was a, that was a self one. That was not us. That was a self Steve. That was, that was, you know, that was all. Wow, yeah. this week. This is why we can't have nice things, folks. <laughs> not if we've driven away about 95% of our audience. Yeah, I was going to say, let's talk about old Syracuse basketball players. The TBT is taking place. <laughs> oh, the segue worked. Yay. <laughs> um, shout out to uh, the News Magician team, as always, for covering the TBT pretty well. Um, it's kind of weird to like just holistically think about this. I completely forgot that when the TBT first started, we were like one of the first outlets to just give it coverage because, of course, we would. Uh, it's something to write about in the summer. Right. Um, and now Michael Ostrock, uh, uh, I'm going to get his last yes. name wrong, Ostrowski, uh, got an interview with Tyler Ennis. Um, you should read that. He's returning to the TBT roster this year. Um, also announced uh, this week, Matt Morgan signed on to TBT. Yeah, which will give you mixed feelings. <laughs> Yeah. The 10th player. Okay, good. I'm glad that wasn't just you. Yeah. 10th player signed is what Pregler was trying to say before he decided to stop in a very awkward pose on our video screen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, TBD is firing up. And um, for better or yeah. for worse, I. Yeah. Uh, oh, are we back yep. yet? Are we Maybe. back? Maybe, Andy? Nope. I'm going to guess. Okay. Okay. So, uh, yeah, in hindsight, uh, before Pregler rejoins us, we have. uh, 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 Nope. No, no, we're still doing the thing. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah. This is this is where I wish I had multi-track audio so I could just mute him for a while. But uh, you're going to hear him interjecting. Uh, (laughs) So it's uh, when are they actually tipping off the Syracuse region this year? Oh, it's on July 22nd, which is this coming Friday. Okay. Um, and it's going to run, like, all the Syracuse regional stuff is going to happen from the 22nd all the way to the 25th. So, like, this is happening, like, now. Um, but, like, so, you're not going to... It's not like um, the past couple of, of years where it's like, okay, we'll have a game and then rest before we go to another region. We're, we're just going to get these all done with. Um, so, all the games uh, will be on... Um, I believe this uh, actually the Syracuse game, the the first round Syracuse game is uh, Andy tries to reconnect with us. I think the first Syracuse round, the first round Syracuse game, is going to be on main ESPN. Which is oh wow, we're to cool. the big boy. Mm-hmm. All right, that works. And that and that's going to be on Friday at seven p.m. So wow. Friday seven p.m. Like we we get started right away with the big boys with big ESPN which is pretty cool. Apparently, then, uh, apparently they know we like to watch our ger- geriatric base or basketball players. Mm-hmm. It's like Syracuse has a long history of that. And then, uh, and then the next games will be on Saturday where they'll play the quarter, the quarterfinals. Uh, I mean, the semifinals of the Syracuse regional. And then the finals of the Syracuse regional will be on Monday, the 25th. So there'll be a break on the 24th. Okay. So I get out mm-hmm. of the woods on the 22nd. Yeah, I get to watch some. That's not bad. Yeah, assuming uh, Syracuse doesn't blow it. Yeah, because um, of course the the you know the week that they're here in Syracuse, 
I'm camping up north because yeah 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 no no of course this yeah, is why we can't have nice things so no 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 not, not at all no yeah Pregley back yeah uh, I tried to open qs.com and as per usual it crashed uh, my web browser mm-hmm. and then crashed discord and I had to mm-hmm. restart everything so you know yeah. good times that that would do it it's okay we're we're vamping masters here at trainings is an absolute podcast yeah, <laughs> I listen. I don't worry about it. You probably knew more about TBT than I did because it is uh, all basketball things that I don't pay a ton of attention to. Other than shout out to Kevin Belby, GM as always. Uh, good luck to him and the rest of the guys working behind the scenes to make TBT and uh, Bayheim's Army happen. But yeah, uh, I'm excited to watch some games uh, before I jump on an airplane. <laughs> yeah. So again, uh, Andy, if you didn't hear us ramble, like I said. Uh, the first uh, Bayheim's Army game is going to be on ESPN, like one normal ESPN on uh, Friday at 7 p.m. So, uh, yay. Yeah. Which is very, very cool. And then the second round games will happen on Saturday and the finals will happen on Monday. And if you're in town, as always, uh, those games are going to be at OCC on a Dr. Community College at the SRC Arena. So, those are really fun to watch. Yeah, I can only imagine. I, I've missed, I've somehow successfully missed every time they felt the regionals here. <laughs> yeah. So, although I've actually done that for the big tournament too. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing great on the basketball stuff. Good. <laughs> but I make every obscure football game. This is, it's totally tracks and Syracuse fandom. This, this, is, this is how it tracks in a Noon's Magician lore. True. So, um, yeah, this- I mean, What's that? Are we glitching no, again? Say, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> we were we were glitching, but I think we're good now. Uh, I was gonna say, I think that's the show. Oh no! There's one more very everything? important article that was posted this week. Recently, which was that we all contributed to. Oh, we did. <laughs> so, uh, in the in the vein of Noon's Magician. There has to be a connection to very obscure things, including singing and chanting at sports matches. And Uh, Kevin put up a piece based on, you know, some reaction to uh, Colorado Avalanche fans in the uh, NHL playoffs singing All the Small Things by Blink-182. So, of course, as noons, we had to, um, you know, try and figure out what in the hell we could do in the Dome. And we had some pretty good options, I'd say. Any uh, any favorites or uh, outstanding selections from your guys' end? I mean, my my favorite is the one that I contributed for. That did uh, work out pretty well. The, the so. Will Grig, the Will Griggs on fire chant from uh from the twenty sixteen Euros. Yep. Uh, <laughs> oh, absolutely. And there were some. So Kevin threw out some suggestions, and I think we all threw out some suggestions for. Um, you know, just actual normal pop songs that people could sing just because they know them or whatever. Uh, and then because the three of us are the three of us, we had to go into uh, coming up with actual, you know, uh, terrorist style chants, uh, Euro soccer style uh, co-opting of tunes for uh, the use of or for supporting any of your players. Uh, <laughs> if anyone was familiar with the 2016 Euros, Northern Ireland went absolutely crazy <laughs> yeah. uh, for Will Grigg and uh, 
basically came up with one of the catchiest tunes ever. Oh, it's uh, so good. Oh, it is. <laughs> and uh, Christian has opted for Sean Tucker's version of it. Uh, Tucker's on fire, <laughs> your defense is terrified, uh, to the tune of Freed from Desire, which fits way too well and if there's yeah. any chance that we could get the student <laughs> section doing that that would just be absolutely amazing so it's uh, our goal just to rock up to the first game against Louisville and anytime Tucker gets a first down we're just yelling at our out of our lungs <laughs> oh yeah yeah and th- that's the thing though is if you're in the stands you have to do the whole like go right into it uh <laughs> But you we talk about Sean Tucker on this show, Christian. Yeah. How do we get to the end after you advertise that as the as this we're talking about Sean Tucker episode? It's the it's the podcast technique. You you keep them in until the very end. Is that what they teach you at Newhouse to bury the lead? Well, well sometimes I, I don't really remember what I learned at Newhouse anymore. I <laughs> wore the internet. It's all about clickbait titles. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm on the scientist yeah. end of things, so it's just like just the facts, only the facts. So well, on the scientist yeah, thing, no, you're that's you're, you're part of days. you're a part of the TLDR uh, crowd. Hundred percent. There's a reason that abstracts were made. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we wrote this giant thing. We'll tell you what happens in a paragraph. It's fine. Exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think we might have might have made it, guys. We might have made it. Uh, I think we stretched a I very am, light week into 46 minutes. I will take it. Uh, I will say thank you to everybody who listened to this. Thank you for the two of you for vamping when my internet decided to hate me and the internet. Uh, <laughs> thank you to Homefield Apparel for sponsoring us as always. Thank you to those who are listening to this on your favorite podcasting app of choice. Make sure to rate us, review us, and subscribe. That way we can trick the algorithm into expanding the Ottoman Empire. Uh, thank you for those who are watching this live on Twitch. We do this pretty regularly, even though we're going to be taking the next couple of weeks off. Uh, and also, thank you to everybody who's watching this on NudesMagician.com. Uh, that's awesome. It means a lot to us. I think I just glitched out one more time. <laughs> just once. Yeah. <laughs> so so while he's continuing to glitch out That's the point where I say go orange. Yeah, right, yeah. Go orange. Let's end it. Go orange. <laughs> <laughs>